kind of moving behind everyone praying and this will not come as a great surprise to many of you when I pray I cry and so I took my glasses off and I just kind of tucked them in my sweater and I walked back over to my seat and I went to reach for my glasses and they were not there and I'm immediately in panic mode because does anybody wear glasses that, like, if you broke your glasses, couldn't get any more, you couldn't function? I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I got these notes, and I'm not going to be able to read them. I'm going to have to take my iPad and make it. And so I'm, I'm, I walk over there, and they're not there. And I'm, I look over there, and they're not there. And I went, and then all of a sudden I realized that I could see. <laughs> I had already put them on my head. So, uh. So we're talking about what the church is, what it should be. And I told you that story to remind you that the church is full of broken people. There's not a perfect person in this, in this building because there's not a perfect person in this county because there's not a perfect person in this state. You're getting to where I'm going with that, right? We, we're all works in progress. So we've started this series where we're talking about what the church should be and and uh, I told you last week that it sort of evolved from a conversation I had with God in October uh, on a, a trip that I went to with my wife. And I'm, I'm sitting out on this front porch in a beautiful, you know, mountain landscape. Uh, and I'm, I'm uh, just kind of jotting in my journal. And I realized I had one sermon. And I told you last week that was kind of depressing because I've been preaching almost 30 years, and I think you only have one sermon. And so last week you, I, I kind of told you that, that, see, that one sermon is a three-part sermon. I told you last week it, it's uh, that God has a plan for your life. You believe that? That you ought to love Jesus with all your heart and that you ought to help somebody else love Jesus. And, and that's, that's my sermon, and that's, that's my life, and that's what I hope your life is, that we we become those things. We realize that God does have a plan for our life, and we fall in love with the creator of the universe through his son Jesus, and we, we tell others about him. And so last week, we, we told you that we were replacing the Connect, Grow, Serve, and, and, and last week I talked to you about discovering purpose. Um, and I, I, if you weren't here, 
get online. It's it's online. Uh, you may hear a little bit of today. And this week we're going to talk about the second part of that process. We're going to discover purpose and we're going to develop passion. Uh, man, I I think I think if we live without passion, y'all, is that really life? If if you don't have something that you're passionate about that's bigger than you isn't that just existing if you're just living for the 70 80 90 years however long you've been on this planet and you go to work and you come home and you watch big bang theory and you go to bed and you come home and you you know you see what i'm saying you just get in this loop is that is that really what life is is that really what we're put here to do and i'm going to say no I, I believe with all of my heart that you and i are put on this planet to to invest our life into something that's bigger than us. So I'm studying for this sermon, and I, I do weird stuff. I, I, like, I'm, I wanna, I'm, let me Google what people are passionate about. And I came across this article that said, here's the 16 things people are most passionate about. And, and so I, I just jotted a few of them down. The first one was animals. People are passionate about animals. I, are you? Yeah, I, I love animals. People say, well, you don't have any pets. Well, the reason I don't have any pets is because I love animals. And I know I don't have the kind of life that I can, I can invest into taking proper care of an animal, right? So that's the most loving thing I do is not, not owning one. Uh, they said that people are passionate about yourself. And, that you know, I guess that's because, you know, you're going to spend the rest of your life with you. I guess that's one. Or hobbies. People are passionate about their hobbies. Um, I... You know, maybe, I guess. Golf, is that a hobby? Yeah, I guess so. Golf, something like that. Art, people are passionate about art. People are passionate about uplifting others. That's a good thing to be passionate about, right? Investing in other people, yeah, that's good. People are passionate about learning. Maybe not. <laughs> they didn't talk to some of the people I know if that was <laughs> just kidding. People are passionate about health and fitness. And, and I find that interesting since we live in the most obese nation on the planet. Passionate about supersize of what we're passionate about. Come on. Passionate about your career. Okay. And 14th on the list was that you're passionate about your faith. And it, I'm just going to toss this out, and you can do with it what you want to. If it's 14th on your list, you're not really passionate about it. If it's, if it's 14th down, it's, it's on the shelf somewhere. But I love what they said. Now, this is a secular list, okay? Here's what they said about your faith. They said, when you act in accordance with your beliefs, it shows that you're passionate about them. In other words, it, if for your to be able to say that you're genuinely passionate about your faith, it's more than just what you believe. It's got to be how you act. I like that. So today we're going to talk about passion. We're going to talk about our passion for God. And, and maybe you're here. And you're like, Dwayne, I'm, I'm not there. Um, I'm, I'm here because I believe, I'm here because somebody invited me, I'm here because it's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to tell you that I am passionate about God. Thank you for your honesty. Listen anyway. See, I, 
I, I think that maybe we've sent the wrong message at the church. Not this church, but at some churches. That if, if you don't believe like I believe that you don't belong here. So maybe you're here and you're, you're struggling with your, your past. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with your sexuality. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with what you even believe. I'm glad you're here. See, I'm, I'm, I've never been one that tries to force a belief on anyone. But I am going to tell you, if you're in this building and you believe, take it off the shelf and do something with it. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart might fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In other words, everything else in the world might fail me, but I know I've got a rock I can stand on, and it's, it's my God, it's my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope that's where you're at this morning. Because if you are, oh, if we're going to say we're passionate about him, it's more than just an emotion. It's how you live your life. So just for definition's sake, let's say that passion is pursuit. I, I had a guy ask me a question one time, and he was asking me about what I felt like my passion was, and he, he phrased it this way, and, and you got to be a little familiar with your New Testament to understand the reference here, but... but he, he, he said, what makes your baby leap? And, and for years, I loved that question. And, and now I'm not sure that I do. Because I'm, I'm not interested in an emotional response to define what I'm passionate about. Because emotions don't cut it. And he, every one of you have seen that Sarah McLaughlin commercial where she sings in the arms of the angel and wanted to adopt every stray dog on the planet and adopt three children. But you didn't. Do you know why? Because it was just emotion. What I'm talking to you about this morning must go beyond that. See, I'm, I'm afraid we chase a lot of things. I'm afraid that we're in a lot of pursuits that really won't matter at the end of the day. There's this unnamed preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes, and here's what he said. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. And I'm afraid that that's what we do sometimes. We run around in circles chasing something that at the end of the day is meaningless. It just doesn't. So I need you to know that you're chasing something. It just might be the wind. Man, here's, here's what I want for our church. I want a, I want a group of people. Uh, listen, here's what I see. It's, and, and listen, I know it's not all about numbers, but I see hundreds of people in Walton County who are chasing Jesus, not just one. 
It just doesn't. Is it money? I saw the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And, and listen, I'm not exaggerating. This is the stupidest thing I have ever seen on YouTube. A guy bought $1 million worth of lottery tickets. True story. Bought a million dollars worth of lottery tickets and took three days and about 12 people in rooms scratching them off and scanning them with apps to see how much money they won with their million dollars worth of lottery tickets. And they won $720,000. And we're celebrating. <laughs> Some of y'all seen that video. Celebrating. They're going to go buy an island with $700,000. And I wanted to go, I was trying to jump through my computer and go, have any of you taken a rudimentary arithmetics class? <laughs> a million dollars minus, you didn't win $700,000, you lost $300,000. And my thought was, if you had a million dollars, listen, I don't know how you feel about playing the lottery, but you hope to, if you play it, you want to win a million dollars. If you've already got it, go buy your island and furnish it with the leftover 300000 Somebody's chasing the wind. <laughs> David, King David chased the wind. He was married. And depending on what commentary you read, he was married at least seven times. Somebody needed to teach that man. He had a lot of wisdom, and but he, really? He's married, and he's strolling across his front porch one night and sees Bathsheba taking a bath. And he's like, I got to chase that wind. See, we're not content. We're not, see, I, I have this, we talked about purpose last week. I'm going to tell you, and because I believe this with every fiber of my being, until you're pursuing that purpose, it's just going to feel like chasing wind. I don't care if you've got a million dollars worth of lottery tickets. Please don't do that. So what does that look like? And uh, I, I, hope, I hope over the next few minutes I'm able to, to kind of share with you what's in my heart. First thing I want you to pursue is to passionately pursue the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus, y'all. And, and, and I want you to, some of you have been here a long time, some of you new. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to hear his name a lot around here. Because we believe he's the center of everything. We believe he knit everything together. He, he's what holds us together. And we talk about him a whole lot. And we're in hot pursuit of him. Now listen, I'm not saying that there's not other pursuits. I, I told this these guys on Wednesday night, I had this weird, you know, I'm in the middle of my devotion and I have this weird thought pop into my mind. That what if we could speak to the Bible characters, you know, context to context. If we could speak to the Apostle Paul and he could speak to us and we could go back and forth, me still in my context and him still in his. And I wonder if, if he were to ask me, Dwayne, how can I pray for you? And I thought, 
you know, even most of our prayer requests are pretty meaningless at the end of the day. God, you know, Paul, I need you to pray for our country, um, but for our economy, because we don't know what's going to happen. Gas prices going up. It's costing me another $20 to fill up my SUV. So I need you to cover that. Seriously? On the timeline of eternity, is, it, is our economy a big deal? Of course it is. On the, time, on the timeline of forever, is it really going to make that big a difference? If, if, if the economy backs up a little bit and we can't get the seat heaters next time we trade our car in? I wonder what he would ask us to pray for. I know what he would ask us to pray for because he wrote it down. Philippians 3, Paul said, I want to know Christ. That's convicting to me, y'all, because I pray for some meaningless things sometimes. He said, I want to know Christ. No, by the way, when he, when he wrote those words, he's chained to a hairy, smelly Philippian guard, Roman guard, chained to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It had been easy to say, I want to I you know, go to the bathroom by myself. I want to know Christ. Listen, I'm not telling you that we don't need to pray for the stuff that might be meaningless. We know we do. I, you know, I get it. But man, can we just filter all that stuff through that one, those four words? I want, I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the one who loved me and gave his life for me. I want to know him. I, I want to know y'all, but I really, really, really want to know him. And so here's what I've committed my life to do, and I'm hoping you'll join me, is to pursue him with everything that is in me. And I, I botch it sometimes, y'all. I fail. But man, I want to know Christ. I want to pursue him. <laughs> Passionately pursue the Prince of Peace. Write this down. Passionately pursue his presence. <laughs> I'm struggling, y'all. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm having a hard time. And I told the guys in the prayer room I would. See, this is not a sermon. This is what I, I want for our church. Listen, I, I, I want a building. I do. I want our own place. I want an office with a bathroom in it. Uh, but but more, more than anything, y'all, I, I, I want to lock arms with a group of people who want to chase Jesus and want to pursue him and want to pursue his presence. Not... Not so we can feel good, but so we can accomplish the work of Jesus on the earth. And I'm just going to tell you, y'all, oh, we've, we've learned how to major in, in things that, that don't matter. I want his presence. You know, it's, it's his presence. She sang it. It's his presence, knowing that 
I'm standing in the presence of the God of the universe. That's, that's why you felt what you felt this morning. I know Pat, that his presence isn't all about what you feel, but that's why that your heart was burning. That's why tears were streaming. It wasn't because it was a pretty song and she hit the right chords and we dimmed the lights at just the right you know, intensity. It was the presence of God that you experienced. That's why people come to pray is because the Spirit of God is drawing them. I want His presence. Listen, if nobody else shows up, I'm glad He does. And I had to preach in this empty building for about eight weeks. And you know what? It felt just like this. It was weird, but it felt just like this. David said this. One thing I asked from the Lord, the only thing this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. He said, I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to be in his temple. Now, does, does that mean, oh, he just wanted to hang out at the church because they had the, you know, the good coffee and the Keurig? Is that what he wanted to do? No. See, in, in those days, they believed that the presence of God was isolated to a building. And he, well, he wasn't saying, I want to be in the building. He said, I want to be with, I want to be with God. Yeah. I want to be in his presence. And, and, and y'all, I, you, don't, you don't have to be in this building. And some of the most powerful moments I've ever had with God have been right by myself. So I want to chase Jesus, and I want to chase his presence. And so my question is, and I, I, I literally wrote this question down. In, my, in the middle of my sermon notes, and it says, are you chasing God or is God chasing you? God ever chase anybody? You, you know that he was hot on your heels and, yeah. And, and, and so I was like, God, which is it? Is it, am I supposed to be chasing you or are you chasing me? And, and, and and I, I read this passage this morning, and it, it was, it, it just became clear. Psalm 139.5 says, you go before me and follow me. So while I'm chasing him, he's chasing me. That if you go back today and read that whole Psalm, Psalm 139, and it, it says things like, I can never escape from your presence. I, I, I can never escape from you. King James says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. <laughs> We're going to passionately pursue his presence. Now, last week, this will be review. You're going to passionately pursue your purpose. And I gave you five things last week, so we're going to go through them really quickly for the benefit of y'all that might not have been here. First thing is you were planned for God's pleasure. Your, your soul, not your soul, but your primary purpose for breathing his air is because he wants you to breathe it back to him in worship. Did you get that? We breathe his air so we can breathe it out to him. That's worship. You're formed for his family, for fellowship. You need to be a part of the body of Christ. You need to be a part of a local church. I will go to my grave believing that if you follow Jesus, you need to be connected to a local church. I, I don't have time, but I'm just going to. 
I'm, I'm just going to tell you, don't come here and look for me to say it's okay for you to not, not be a part of a church because you're never going to hear me say that. Formed for God's family, that's fellowship. You were created to become like Christ. How many of you are works in progress? You're still, you're still growing. Yeah, that's, that's our discipleship. You were shaped for serving God. That's our service. We're, you're, you're supposed to do something besides just focus on you, right? It ain't all about you, right? You're supposed to, do, you're supposed to serve other people. You're supposed to, to serve the kingdom of God. And then lastly, you're made for a mission. That's evangelism. I'm going to read you a quote. guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon who is the preacher of preachers. Now this quote's probably 140 years old. You know, we've kind of created a you know, we want you to come here and we want you to feel comfortable. You know, we want you to you know, that's why I try to be a little silly because I want you to laugh. I don't, you know, I want you to come here and I want you to enjoy coming to church. I want you to enjoy hanging out together. I want you to enjoy the fellowship. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you something. What we're talking about is it's the most important thing ever. Because we're not talking about, you know, finding skills to help you in your job. We're not talking about finding skills to help you parent your children and finding skills to, to help you manage your money. We're talking about finding a Jesus who will keep you out of hell. People don't like hearing that anymore. And it's uncomfortable to say, frankly, because I don't like the idea of, 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 of there coming a point in the history of this world that there's a dividing line. But if I believe the Bible that I read and preach, that, that, that there will. That at, the, at the end of my life, there are two destinations. And it breaks my heart and it hurts me. I, I don't have the words to think that there are homes and families that we could throw a rock to that will leave this planet separated from God. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that some of you will. But you don't have to. So here's our, here's our mission, y'all. Here's what we should be passionate about. Is to, to find people in our world, in our circle, who are separated from God, who are lost. Now listen, I, I know that's not, that, that's not seeker-friendly conversation. But the truth of the matter is, you know somebody that's lost. And by lost, I mean, they don't know. They're separated from God. They're, they, don't, they don't know Him. And you, and you hold, if you're a follower of Christ, you hold the answer to everything in life. Well, that's a bold statement. It just happens to be true. Because this life will end. I've tried to read this quote three times. My phone. Charles Spurgeon said this. If sinners will be damned, at least, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. 
And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. We ought to be passionate about people who don't know God. Not in a judgmental, point my finger, you need to come be like me. Can I just tell you, we're all sick of that. The world's sick of religious people looking down some pious, better than you know, saying, you need to come be like me. Makes me want to puke. What we need to be doing is putting our arms around people and say, let's go be like him. You know, the, I, I told you last week, the best, the best definition for evangelism I ever heard is one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. That's, that's, what, that's our task. That's what we got to be passionate about. It's, it's just, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers, and I'm certainly not there yet, but let me tell you where I found some bread. So we passionately pursue our purpose, and we passionately pursue people. I love this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Did you hear that? I try to find common ground with everyone. That is completely antithetical to what our, our culture does right now. We don't try to find common ground. We try to find what divides us. Stop. Listen, I, I know we got a lot that we disagree about. I get it. Politically, we, we disagree with a lot of people about a lot of things. You might, I might, I don't know. But I, I wonder if we could set some of that aside long enough to just try to find some common ground just so you might be able to save some. And then we passionately pursue the prize. I love this. Just a few verses down from what I just read, it says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. For about 1,600 years at Olympia, Greece, there was a, a games every four years. And, and just like Paul said, they ran to win a prize. You know what their prize was? A wreath that they put on their head. But he said, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So in, what, what's the prize? What's, what's the prize? He said, I'm doing it for an eternal prize. What is that? Is it, is it heaven? Yeah. So I guess my question is, what's your prize? If you're chasing wind, what's at the end of it? What are you going to do when you catch it? What's the prize? Money? Is that, th is that the prize? 
Anybody see the, the Powerball was like $900 million. And, and listen, if one of y'all won and wanted to know if I want to take the tithes on, a million, on $900 million, write that check. <laughs> Just say. But is that, is that it? Because when the houses you buy and the cars you buy and the yachts you buy and are, where's, where's that going to be a thousand years from now? Is that your prize? Look at my house. Well, that's cool. It's going to burn. So in the time we got left, I'm going to give you four things. I'm going to give you four ways to kind of take what we've talked about today and, and take it home. Um, and some of this is going to make you uncomfortable. And I need you to know about making you uncomfortable. That is 100% my intention. First thing you can do is identify passions. So you got to ask yourself some really bold, honest questions to find out what you're passionate about. I'm going to give you three. Maybe more, I don't know. The first thing you... you Ask yourself this, what do you want to be passionate about? Because, you know, if you ask people about their, their passions, their, their priorities, everybody's going to say a lot of the same thing. Well, God and family and, and my work or, you know, then it just kind of fades on from there. Okay. What do you want to be passionate about? What do you think you're passionate about? And then here's, here's the hard question. What are you really passionate about? Because I can give you three things that will tell you exactly what you're passionate about. Ask yourself this question. How do you spend your time? Don't, don't tell me you're passionate about golf and you haven't been on the golf course in four years. No, you're not. You're passionate about the idea of being passionate about golf. Does that make sense? Look how you spend your time. Because how you spend your time is most likely what you're passionate about. Ask yourself this. How do you spend your money? You're like, trying to pay for my house. Well, I got it. Yeah. And listen, I'm not telling you that you don't need to be passionate about your career. You don't need to be passionate about taking care of your families because you do. I am going to tell you that all of that stuff's got to be filtered through something that's greater and bigger than all of that. So how you spend your time? How do you spend your money? Here's a, here's a great one. If you're active on some level of social media, raise your hand. Ask yourself this. What do you share? Look at your last 20 Facebook posts, and you'll have a pretty good idea what you're passionate about. L- listen, don't. I never wanted to be one of those mean preachers, and I'm not. But, but here's the truth. Don't, don't tell me how passionate you are about Jesus, and the last 20 posts have been about the Georgia Bulldogs. Be passionate about the Georgia Bulldogs. You like the idea of being passionate about Jesus. Is that, is that settling hard? What do you share with your, with your friend over coffee or over lunch? Uh, are, you, are you talking about the, the God of the universe that's transformed your life, saved you from addiction and depression and loneliness? Are you... Are you talking about whatever? Man, I'm, 
of the opinion that if you're passionate about Jesus in your heart, it will come out your mouth. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you're going to identify your passion. And then you're going to prioritize your passion. Because listen, you guys know this. I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about my wife, about my children, about my daughters-in-law, and about my absolutely perfect grandchild. I'm not telling you that you can't be passionate about other things. I am telling you this, that I must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. You can be passionate about your career. You should be. We need more people passionate about their careers and going to work. That's a whole nother sermon. Identify passions, prioritize passions. Number three, be passionately contagious. You ought to be so in love with Jesus. You ought to be so, now listen, you can't, you can't be in love with him. Pursue his presence. Fulfill your purpose that he's laid out for you. And all of a sudden, him not ooze out of you. And at the end of the day, people aren't looking for religion. They're not looking for another set of rules and regulations. You can get that at Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem. <laughs> They're looking for something that will make a difference, that will change my life. Yeah. And his name's Jesus. And if you'll fall in love with him, you know what? We te- there's, there's nine million evangelism strategies. Here's it, here it is. Fall in love with Jesus. Help somebody else find him. And then lastly, make passion a daily pursuit. I, I want to, re- Donna's going to come. What's this? I didn't even know. She's just walking up. I want to take you back to a passage of scripture I read as we, as we close today. By the way, you know what it means when a pastor says I'm getting ready to close? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 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 I want, you to, I want you to look carefully this passage that I gave you earlier Psalm 27 says the one thing I asked of the Lord the one thing I seek most the one thing I asked of the Lord the one thing I seek most so here's my question for you eyeballs to eyeballs right here everybody in the room what's your one thing what's your one thing if everything else were gone what's the one thing What's the one thing? See, some of you, because I know your stories, for a a long time, you would say your one thing was your addiction. Now, now you would never admit that with with your lips. You'd probably say, my my passion's God and my family. No, no, it's not. Your one thing was your addiction. Some of you would say, my one thing right now, my job. It's my job. That's, that's my one thing. I, I'd probably say something else, but, but in reality, the one thing is, is really my job. And listen, there's nothing wrong with being passionate about your job. You'd say, my, my one thing really is my family. 
Nothing wrong with being passionate about you. But if there's only going to be one thing, why don't you invest your passions into something that will last forever? And watch him. Now listen, when we put him first, when he becomes our one thing, watch all the other things line up just where they belong. And and y'all listen to me. It works. You chase Jesus. We used to call it in my in my youth group when I was a teenager. We used to call it being on fire for God. See, passion evokes that idea of something burning, something on fire. St. Francis says, set a man on fire and people will come from miles around to watch him burn. What if? in our church right here in in Loganville, Georgia, a handful of us just got so on fire that people couldn't help. But I want to see what's causing the heat. I want to see what's causing them to be able to stand with peace when the world's going to hell around them. It's the one thing. I hope it's Jesus. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. I want you to be my one thing. Aside from all the other things, all my other pursuits, I want you to be my one thing. If that's on your heart this morning, you just say, God, I I want you to be the one thing. Maybe you've been a Christian all your life, but today you want to say, I want him to be my one thing. Not that the other pursuits don't matter. I want Jesus above everything else to be the one thing. I just want to see your hands. I just want this. I want to know who to pray for. Yeah, me too. Me too, y'all. Me too. So much. Lord, in Jesus' name, God, I pray for a group of people here that that are just saying. Some of you are online are saying, "Yes, I want. I want Jesus to be my." One thing, we're praying, you, God, that you would oh, just burn a passion in our hearts for Jesus. And we'll chase him the rest of our life. You are our one thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you all. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If today you're saying, I want Jesus to be my one thing, Write that somewhere on your connection card and put it in the box on your way out. If if today, either just now or earlier in these altars, you made a choice, a decision to follow Christ, I want you to check that box on the back of the connection card. So we can hound you with all kinds of literature. No. So we can celebrate with you. And I can be praying for you. I love y'all. Just before you leave, let me do this. Father, I want you to bless these people in Jesus' name. I want you to wrap your arms of love and compassion around these that are in the room, around those that are watching online, and hold them close. And thank you for allowing us to be in your house today. In Jesus' name, you are one thing. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're watching online, fill out that digital connection card, bottom left-hand side of lifepointchurch.cc. Y'all have a great, 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 great afternoon.